Welcome listeners to Baby Brain, PPSM's podcast. I'm Samantha Hugley, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michelle Anderson. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner and a perinatal mental health certified nurse practitioner. She also is on the board of directors for Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. Michelle, tell us a little bit about your personal connection to perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Hi, yes, thanks for having me. I got pregnant in uh, 2012 during a time when we were moving states. My husband got a job in Wisconsin. And so um, we weren't really expecting to be pregnant. We weren't, I always say, uh, we pulled the goalie. So we kind of knew we could get pregnant, but we weren't planning on being pregnant. But of course we got pregnant within, I think, a couple of weeks of him accepting the job in Wisconsin. It was a pregnancy that was kind of compounded with some stress related to moving and, you know, leaving my job. At the time I had like my dream job at Hennepin County. I kind of felt like I had finally found my place in public health. And, and so there was lots of shifting happening and I don't, you know, in all honesty, it had a lot of ambiguity around being a mother. It was just a a challenging time. So I did move, uh, my husband moved first, and then I moved um, after we sold our house. I did battle with some pretty significant um, nausea and vomiting during my first trimester. So didn't have a lot of like appetite, didn't eat much, um, lost a bunch of weight. So just physically didn't feel very well. I had my daughter and um, she, she made it four days without crying. And then on day four, um, started her screaming. And she was, as her pediatrician said, a, a pretty severe form of colic. Colic is defined as more than four hours of screaming, more than four hour, four days a week for more than four weeks. It's uh, some strange diagnosis or some strange uh, kind of limitations like that. Well, she far exceeded that. She She probably screamed 12 to 16 hours a day. And so it was stressful. It was really stressful. It was actually really helpful for us because her pediatrician um, like talked about how when babies scream, it excretes like this adrenaline and, and cortisol in our system because we're like, we're innately adapt to responding to a baby screaming, right? It's part of our nurture nature, right, to respond. He likened it to like being in a war zone, right, with the level of like adrenaline and cortisol in the system. And so the fact that my husband and I kind of felt like we couldn't sleep very well, we could never really relax. We always kind of felt like we were on high alert. Like I remember the doorbell rang once and I like was sort of frozen and shocked just because of a high-pitched noise. I became pretty significantly depressed. I even became suicidal, created a plan and um, wrote it all up and and told my sister about it, who encouraged me to talk to my husband about it. And he encouraged me to, to talk to my doctor. At that time, I didn't have a mental health doctor of any sort or a therapist, but I did have my OB So I did make an appointment with him. When I went in there, he kind of helped me to disclose the the truth of what was going on for me. And I ended up being hospitalized um, due to being actively suicidal. So it took me a bit of time uh, to recover, but I would say that I did eventually recover. I had a lot of assistance from what would be like a life coach or or, or therapist. She was basically functioned as a therapist. When I was in Wisconsin, because I was new to the area, I didn't really know how to find help. And 
even though I had worked in public health and mental health for many years, um, mostly like in homeless shelters and with the really underserved, I had never really had my eyes opened to the perinatal aspect to it. And so this was really interesting to me, um, having this personal experience of the, the interwoven um, aspect of perinatal and mental health. And so I, I just remember Google searching um, perinatal mood, uh, perinatal depression or postpartum depression, something like that, and found PSI, Postpartum Support International. It was through their website that I found the therapist that I ended up working with. So then when I moved, we ended up moving back to Minnesota when my daughter was about two and a half to be closer to family because we realized during all of that that you know lack of family support was just a huge um, factor in in my recovery and what happened for us as a family and so we ended up moving back and when we moved back I I again looked for kind of the PSI of Minnesota and found um, PPSM so I first started as a peer support volunteer it felt like I had come on the other side of my journey, and so I wanted to provide support, and I thought it was really cool that they offered that. So I started as a peer support volunteer, and then um, kind of moved into like the postcard administrator role for a while, um, sending postcards out, organizing that aspect of the work, and then um, eventually joined the board as treasurer because that was the open position. And I, I do kind of have a highly organized kind of meticulous brain. So that seemed to be okay. So yeah, still been on the board, uh, serving that, that role of treasurer for like, I, I know it's so hard to remember time, isn't it? I think it's been a couple of years now. I think that you're involved in some other aspects of PPSM as well. Tell us a little bit about those. I have a lot of experience uh, doing legislative and advocacy work. During my master's program, I got a master's in community health nursing. I focused my thesis work on the power of storytelling to influence legislation. And so I did um, a couple of internships at the Capitol during that time. I, you know, I made some connections. And so we realized, PPSM did, that we could definitely have a role at the Capitol. So I serve as, we've kind of labeled it as legislative liaison. I sit on NAMI's Mental Health Legislative Network, which is a network of lots of organizations in the I work closely with, um, currently I'm working closely with Representative Kelly Morrison, who is actually an OBGYN. And so she's very open to working um, on our issues and very passionate. And she's been really great to work with, very committed to, to our work. Do you want to say anything about a new role being created at PPSM? When Sam, um, when you <laughs> stepped off, the board that it was realized that there was like you and me as the nurse practitioners or the clinicians, the medical based clinicians on the board. So we like kind of looked around at other organizations in, in the U.S. that function like PPSN. And many of them have what's called a clinical director role on their board. That's a person that comes from that clinical medical background to help kind of serve as a, a liaison or make connections to us to reach out if needed um, and serve as that role. We're currently uh, creating that role in hopes of, well, in hopes that I would step into that role as I left the treasurer role, but also more than anything uh, to help in recruiting 
more people like you and I, uh, medical doctors or nurse practitioners to serve on the board with it having a more defined role as clinical director. Tell us a little bit about where you're working now professionally, your paid job, the real job, and what your role is. (laughs) The other thing I do, um, yeah, so I work full-time in an emergency room for Alina. Alina has several hospitals, and I cover um, four different ERs. I sit in one of them, but then I telehealth to the other one. So when you come into the ER, you're assessed by a clinician, either a social worker or um, a, a psychologist. They see what you what you come in for, if it's mental health related, and then oftentimes psychiatry is needed to either confirm the need for admission to inpatient psychiatry or to help with discharging from the ER with like a medication or a medication change. I function in that role as a psychiatry in the emergency room. You know, studies across the nation show that about a third of ER visits are um, mental health or psychiatric in nature. It's helpful for the emergency room to have that specialty uh, present in the ER to help with those patients. Over the course of your time in that role, have you seen any trends with maternal mental health or perinatal mental health specifically? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I haven't been doing the role for very long and there's not really good number tracking as far as who comes into the ER, meaning like what kind of presentations. It does seem at least kind of subjectively um, and a bit objectively that there has been an increase in, um, in perinatal mood presentations to the ER, mostly since the pandemic. We saw a little dip during the beginning of the pandemic. So that like March, April, May time, people were kind of, I think, just staying home out of fear of COVID in the ER, right, getting infected. And then also just like a a whole bunch of unknowns. And so people were kind of staying inside. But we have since seen kind of a progressive, it almost seems like month to month, a progressive incline in mental health presentations. And so I really, I mean, I really feel like we have entered a new pandemic and that's one of of mental health and it's largely related to the pandemic. What would you like to see improved as far as access goes to maternal mental health care, whether that's in the emergency room or maybe even more broad? Yeah, it's really interesting because like if you look at, you look internationally, You know, like in Denmark, for instance, if you come in with a perinatal mood issue and you're hospitalized on a psychiatric unit, they have ones that are specific to um, maternal mental health in in that you can have your baby there and sometimes it even that um, your spouse or partner can stay there and they have this whole setup that's geared towards treating this and they're usually longer stay, you know, recognizing that there's some transition. I know when I was hospitalized, like they didn't, I needed to pump um, my milk uh, because I was breastfeeding and it took hours for the inpatient psychiatry team to find a breast pump for me to use in the hospital. So they were just very ill-equipped to to deal with the specific uh, needs that I had as somebody having a perinatal mood experience in the inpatient uh, unit. And so I would really, I would really like to either, I mean, I know that it would be kind of idealistic to want to open or to see open like an inpatient unit. There is one, I believe, is it North Carolina 
has a specific inpatient unit, but otherwise, you know, I'd like to see more of that happen across the country. But if we can't even get that far, I, I just hope that more inpatient and ER clinicians have good training, at least good knowledge about um, perinatal mood presentations and, and the unique and specific needs of that population, especially when it comes to hospitalization. What would you like our listeners to know about maternal mental health care in the emergency room? Maybe yeah. some words to ease their, their worries about accessing care that way or seeking yeah. help. It's, it's okay to need that level of care. Um, so it's okay to come into the emergency room if you're feeling like you're in that level of crisis. All emergency rooms, at least that I know of, are equipped to assess and, and manage um, mental health needs and concerns. And also, I think it's really important to know that in the ER, when you come in with a mental health concern, the, the staff is going to call your family for collateral information, and, and that's good, right, because it helps to understand more about what's going on. But it's, you know, just to kind of prepare family or spouse or partner, whoever is um, your closest person to know that, you know, they're going to be asked to be involved in the care and the assessment. And also to know that, especially right now, there is such a shortage of psychiatric beds statewide, really across the nation. And so you may have to wait in the emergency room for one, maybe two full days before you get placed. And I just think that's something that not everybody is really aware of. And you can't go home and come back once a bed is found. So I think it's important for people to know that they might not just go into the ER talk to somebody and then immediately get placed somewhere, get some services. But there are things, Minnesota has a lot more services than I think other states do. And we do our best to, to meet your needs and in the least restrictive way possible. Thank you so much for your time today. For more information about Dr. Anderson, see the description below this podcast.